0: We live? Well, welcome to episode one of, we haven't figured out what the hell to name it yet. (laughs) We'll work on that. That's going to be a work in progress. Yeah, gotta, gotta brainstorm a few things. Yeah, I think there is probably some copyright infringements that we have to be aware of. It'll be, it'll be, it'll buff. I mean, it's probably.
1: It'll be alright, maybe.
0: We are your hosts for the evening. I'm Kyler. And I'm Tyler. Good luck remembering that. <laughs> Our parents are dicks. First off, we'll just go ahead and state this is a not safe for work podcast. So don't let don't let your your toddlers listen to this. So keep that in mind. Yeah, probably not. So <laughs> the first thing I wanted to talk about, and we talked about it a little bit before, is this new Avenged Sevenfold song. Now, I mean, they haven't released a song in like what four or five years. It's been a while, man,
1: and I was happy about it.
0: I was really looking for. I mean, let's be, let's be honest. I would say that most of us that listen to metal music at some point in our lives, you know, probably jammed to the Nightmare album or Backcountry or something of that nature, and you know, we're probably really fond of Avenged Sevenfold and and kind of you know grew to love them, and they were. Easily one of the most popular bands of the the mid two thousands, I would say, and then they kind of went dormant for a while, and you know, out for of good nowhere, reason. Yeah, well, for good reason, that's fair. And then out of nowhere, they they, you know, drop this thing on YouTube and and say they're going to drop a song, and and it comes out today, and it's called Nobody, and I'm guessing it's probably called that because nobody likes it. Nobody likes it. So it's rough, man. It's rough. The, <laughs> when I heard the that I thought it was a synth at first and really it's like we talked about it, it's the like a like a bowstring being drawn across the guitar. And I was like, Okay, that's kinda cool. And then you hear M shadows sound like a dying goat on there. And ugh, I just I didn't really know what to think about it at first. I I was almost dumbfounded to the point of this is a almost a six minute song. I can't make it through this thing.
1: Yeah, I was I was pretty confident that when you you sent it over to me
0: that I was not going to make it through. And I I hadn't even heard the song yet. Yeah, I believe your exact words were, how the fuck am I going to make it through this whole song? And I thought that was a pretty accurate statement. And I really, really feel bad for hating on them because I I did used to jam their shit back in the day. And, you know, Sinister Gates is an extremely talented guitarist and, you know, Jimmy the Rev Sullivan, their, their drummer that died... Several years ago was extremely talented too, um, and M Shadows used to be able to belt that shit out. But buddy, he—I mean, I get it—he's getting older, and dudes' voices change when they get older. But he sounds r- rough, like he is struggling with every. Breathe through the fire! I'm like <laughs> my guy. I'm not saying I can do it better. So I'm just some dude on the internet. Don't 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 take me for fucking the gospel, but just personal opinion here. I mean, it's rough. So. Here's here's where I'm at with Avenged Sevenfold. Is this a a heavy metal hot take? Maybe. Okay. Maybe.
1: Like, I was I was definitely the punk skater kid, and I mean punk in every sense of the word. I was a little bitch, (laughs) but also like I wore the skull t shirts and I wore like a lot of black. Yep. And this was like fucking seventh grade. And so, we're talking
0: 2006,
1: 2005? Two, 2006, 2007. Yep. yep. And I ah, jammed it so yep. much. Yep. But I also hung out at,
0: at the warehouse a lot, yep. too. For and those who don't know, the warehouse was a, a local spot back in the day where all the, the skater kids would come out and and hang out and listen to metal music and skate. And it was kind of the emo scene. It was a pretty cool joint back in the day. Go ahead. Yeah. And so...
1: Back then, I was I was definitely listening to Avenged Sevenfold a lot, and that it was really like their first album that I would listen to. And I was able to get over dude's voice. Yeah, you know, I wasn't too particular, but part of that is I'm not the greatest vocalist either. Correct. And oh,
0: thanks for being here. <laughs> we're slinging insults already. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs>
1: But, you know, I really didn't pay too much attention to the vocalist. And then it was, dude, around that time, it was everyone had to have a Schecter guitar because of Avenged Sevenfold. And dude just ripped that guitar every song. And I loved it. And, you know, I I could really give a shit less about the the vocals at that time. But then I start listening to different types of music towards like 8th and ninth grade, getting more into grunge, getting into more vocally driven music. Yep. And at that point, I just couldn't do Avenged Sevenfold anymore.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's, it's funny you say that because, you know, now, you know, obviously we talk music pretty much daily and, and go to concerts together and all that and jam together. And, you know, when you hear a song, you know, and this, I think this goes for most, most people that are into metal and and dissect music, you know, to the level that we do, you know, when you hear a song, you hear it completely different than I do. Right. Mm -hmm. And you listen to a lot of vocally driven um, bands and, and different genres. And so your evolution that you're talking about going from, you know, when you're in that middle school age to, man, I just want bangers. I just want. Sick guitar riffs. I want gnarly bass lines. I don't give a shit about the vocals, too. Now it's like, man, I want to feel the breadth of the vocals and the lyrics. And it. it's like your musical growth journey, man. I mean, yeah. Really and, the, and
1: another thing, too, that I've really paid attention to lately with, with what I've listened to is the your vocals are an instrument. Yes. And different vocalists will use that instrument in a different way, just like guitarists use a a guitar in different ways. You have like John Mayer will play shit one way, and then Dude from Avenged Sevenfold will play a completely different, go in a completely different direction with it. And so the same thing goes for vocals, and I feel like Dude from Avenged Sevenfold has been singing the same song for 20 years. Right.
0: No, I, I get totally where you're coming from. And I think a lot of what Drew and, and a little bit of my musical background, just, you know, you know, I started playing guitar when I was real young and I, I grew up on, you know, thrash metal and, and um, a lot of the, the 80s, even the 80s hair bands. Um, you know, I was a big docking fan, Rat, um, Metallica, Megadeth, all, you know, all those kind of things, just because that's what my dad listened to. And, you know, I get into middle school and, and <clears throat> at the same time you're in middle school, you know, 07, 08, roughly for me. And, you know, Asking Alexandria starts to come out. Attack attack comes out. All these (laughs) these um you know, crab core. Exactly. (laughs) Crabcore. Back then it wasn't called crab core, it was just called like Screamo or Emo metal or whatever it was. And man, I went through a phase where I was painting my fingernails black and doing all that shit. And I'm sitting here in a camo t shirt with, you know, boots on and that just wasn't, you know, but that that music had that effect on me and that's what I was jamming to at that time. Um and Avenged Sevenfold kind of came on the scene and was like leaning a little more towards that hardcore uh, style for me, and it was it was attractive in the sense of like you said, you know, Sinister Gates he can shred, and I was I was kind of missing some of that with some of that crab core, right? Right. Like they're not they're not soloing. They're not they're playing a a seven eight ten second string riff over and over and over, and yeah. it, it's it's fun to headbang to, but it's not very. Looking back, you know, you're like, man, that wasn't very creative. It wasn't right. very, you know, inventive. It was just, you know, Stand Up and Scream, Asking Alexander's album Stand Up and Scream was there wasn't a bad song on it at the time. It was just headbang to every fucking song on there. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't unique. And Event Sevenfold had some stuff, especially for me, the nightmare album, that I thought was was unique for what I had been listening to. And it's funny as you get older and you you, you, you know, you get you get better at the instrument you're playing or you you just almost like you open your palate to different types of music and you start to kind of realize you know yeah some of these bands that i work, i was listening to you know they make good music but they're really not creative because let's be honest avenge sevenfold is not periphery no you know they're not norma Jean, they're not some of these bands that are just completely different and you know may not gain that mainstream popularity uh, you know you and i listen to some bands that you know a lot of people probably have never heard of. Right. So and that's okay, but it's just we have a different palette for music. So so yeah, the-
1: to kinda to kinda speak on that and, and what I've seen in the evolution of Avenged Sevenfold and a lot of different bands is, you know, they really attracted attention with that, that first album being something different than what was on the scene at the time. And people really enjoyed the music for those of us that were into that kind of, that kind of vibe, that, that heavy riffage and, and a little bit of screaming in there. He didn't do a lot of it, but you know, more aggressive vocals. I mean, he's very raspy, you know what I mean? So it was very aggressive, things like that, but What most bands do, and this is what I think Avenged Sevenfold did, is they they got caught in the pop trap. And what I agree, what I mean by that is, there is essentially pop formulas. Okay, you know formulas to writing hit songs. Expand on that a little bit for us. Okay, so. I can go in deeper into psychology about it, but what I know about pop culture and um fans of these like pop artists and even pop rock or anything like that popular music mm-hmm. one they're not super educated in music, so that that plays a big key in it, sure the most important thing is people don't like to be surprised. They like to be able to expect what's coming. And so when you have these pop formulas that really go along with the norm, what you would typically hear. And if you listen to a lot of Avenged Sevenfold, even from the Nightmare album. It's verse, chorus, verse, chorus. It's not much different than anything else out there. And it's been the same thing since even back in the 70s, man. Yeah. You know, you got bands like ACDC that I used to love, but most of their songs sound the same. They found a song that worked, and they rewrote that song a hundred times. Yeah. And a lot of these bands in the 80s, honestly, hair metal bands bands in particular, they were all playing the same shit. Yes. They were all playing, you know, intro, verse, chorus, a little wittily diddly. And then Nood- yeah, powerful, powerful, powerful chorus, yep. and then that—that that was it. And lyrically, there wasn't much complicated with the lyrics. No, it was you just didn't all have about to really pussy. think about it. Yeah, that's the other thing. People don't like to think, have to think about the music unless you were a true music fan Correct. or a student of music. And you know, Venge Sevenfold—they—they they got popular. They got a taste of that popularity, and they wanted to keep it going, and so they kind of took their style and and moved
0: it into this pop formula and voila. You know who you know who else I think kind of did that 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 was another band that really had my attention and it had a lot of people's attention when they when they first came out because they were so aggressive and so um listenable was um Five Finger Death Punch. I knew he was gonna you yeah. I knew he was going to yes. say it. You did? I knew you was going to say it. So, Five Finger Death Punch, like, you know, that was locker room music, right? When you're, you're, you know, we were playing football and that's what we played in the locker room a lot was Five Finger Death Punch because it was, it was heavy. It was, you you could sing along with it, scream along with it. Ivan Moody had a really powerful voice. It was something, you know, you could vibe to, right? It It would get you pumped up. It would get you in that mood to fucking kill somebody, man. So it was great locker room music or, you know, you're about to go get a, a lift in. And I remember I had uh, I had every single CD because back then I didn't have an aux cord or whatever in my car. <laughs> so I had every C- every five-figure Death Punch CD in the car and I would jam that shit. And then, you know, I get in college and I'm like, this album sounds exactly the same as the last one. And that doesn't mean that it wasn't good it was just not it was not expanding my musical knowledge and palate it was just it was repetitive and and i haven't listened to them in 8 years probably
1: yeah i mean i uh i really didn't listen to five finger death punch much just because i wasn't really listening to that type of music much until i got older but, like, when they, they were out and they were this big thing, I knew of them more in kind of in, in, in passing conversation <clears throat> with with other music fans. I would talk about them and stuff. But even they, the, their fans would, would talk about how they kind of did the same thing over and over. And they sort of sold out and got to a point where they just weren't doing anything different and i think the real struggle for a lot of these bands is trying to keep their core or their original fan base interested while, while gaining also new gaining new fans because you you have to you almost have to balance how much of that pop formula you do versus how much you challenge your audience yeah and i think a lot of bands are are kind of in that spot where do we do something different? Because there's a lot of bands that'll try something different and almost wreck their career. And so they're like, do we just keep doing what we know is good? Or do we change it up and try something new? Five Finger Death Punch fell into that. But there's also an element that a lot of people don't understand. And that's, that's record labels. Record contracts. Mm-hmm. So when a when an artist gets signed, especially in the early 2000s, they can get signed to a record deal, and in that, that record contract, it, it lays out, we fucking own you X for X albums. amount of al- albums. Yep. Songs. Yep. And so the label typically fronts a certain amount of money, and they say, here's your signing bonus, $100,000 for you guys to use that money to record, use that money to, you know, pay your expenses while you're doing your thing. I mean, 100,000, 500,000, whatever the fuck sure. it is. And that's what they have to work with before the artist sees a dime from the sales of their CD or any of that. The record label has to recoup all that cost, mm-hmm. so say you get a signing bonus of a hundred thousand dollars your the the profit from every CD sale has to add up to that hundred thousand dollars before the artist sees any of it. Not only that, but what's even crazier is it's the art in the in the record contract it says the artist gets say five percent. It, that's real five percent of record sales, yeah. and really it's that five percent that the record whole record label keeps to recoup that hundred thousand. So think of five percent of a ten dollar CD. Right? How many CDs do you have to sell to come up with a hundred thousand?
0: I'm not good at math, but a bunch,
1: a bunch, and so from there it's. Uh, <clears throat> From there, by the time they get recouped, a lot of artists don't even recoup. yeah. Because that's 100000 for this album cycle. The, the label's expecting another. They, they do it by album cycles. And album cycles could be a year, could be two years. And they say, hey, in two years, you owe us another album. And you might not even be recouped yet. Yeah, Most artists don't recoup until about album two or three. Yeah, before f- they start seeing money from their their record sales. It's funny you mention. Have you ever seen Straight Outta Compton
0: movie? About it's uh, been NWA. a long time. Yeah, so Straight Outta Compton has a great example in that movie of what you just said. You know, I won't explain the whole scene, but basically, you know, Ice Cube comes in and I think it's Ice Cube comes in and and says, you know, "Hey, we made all this money and and you know, we're we're good. I'm I'm getting out of the contract or whatever." And you know, the the Basically, the record label renegs on the deal, and and it's a pretty sh- it's it's a shady business, man. I mean, it's I, I don't know if shady's the right term, but it's just if if an artist is poorly managed or poorly informed, and they're just starting out, a record label can rake them over the coals, and the artist doesn't even know what's happening. They don't even know what's happening. Yeah, they they really
1: don't. And so you get these these artists that sign a deal. They they release their first album from from what they had prior to the record contract, and from there it's you know that's that's the good music. Right. Album two might be a banger too, but it's not really super popular. I mean, most of these bands start with a very small base, uh, more of a cult following um, on a small scale, and then they have to make a decision. Are we going to sell out so that we can actually get recouped on on all this money the, the label has sent us so that we can actually start getting paid? Or are we just going to keep putting out music that we really like that the record label isn't really going to push very hard for us because we're not playing ball with what they want us to do and you know, basically just be living off of whatever this signing bonus is per album cycle. And then you also have the risk of the label saying, well, we're not going to keep keep pushing your albums.
0: And, and just for, you know, reference and, and full disclosure, you know, Tyler's not talking out of his ass here. So Tyler is um, the bassist and uh, one of the vocalists for a uh, band called Screaming Evidence, and your degree what's what exactly is your degree in I can't remember the verbiage of it again so it's a bachelor's in music business that's right music business so when when he's speaking all the all this it's 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 not coming out of his ass it's because he's been there he's done that he's recorded albums he's studied how you know this works for for 4 years in school and and uh it's it's well informed information that that he's dishing out so um yeah, I I think that a lot of these young artists that are coming up and and you know my my like I said earlier my my TikTok is starting to do pretty well and I have actually talked to um a couple local bands. One of them uh, is called Devils Envy. Um check them out. They're on uh iTunes. Um they are a really really uh, talented young up and coming band. And and please check Screaming Evidence um out as well. Those that all of their songs are available on um Apple Music, are you on Spotify? Or we're just we're pretty much on pretty everything. much everything. So yeah, so yeah, here I'm. I'm promoting. I'm I'm, I'm a self <laughs> self proclaimed promoter. But so you know, I've talked to you know some of these bands on on social media, and you know that's one of the things that they've you know kind of talked to me about is you know what do we do as far as the 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 record deal is it uh, you know I think you worded it. Do we sell out and and try to try to go big and, and or you know go, go big or go home or do we just keep doing what we're doing and playing, you know, smaller shows and, and just doing it for, for fun because we love it? So it's it's it gets really complicated
1: even now, because now there's the the standard is a 360 deal.
0: OK, you have to explain that one to me.
1: So early 2000s, you know, Napster and iTunes <laughs> and Napster, all that Metallica sued them. <laughs> basically flip the music industry upside down. Okay, and I can go into detail uh, as as to how how it really done that, but it it flipped the the industry upside down. Record labels were not making as much money on album sales because not as many people were buying albums. You start getting into 2010 when almost everything was streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, labels started. Freaking out! They're like, no one's buying albums anymore. They're buying songs for ninety nine cents. Ninety nine cents on iTunes. iTunes gift card. Then streaming happened, and now nobody's buying music.
0: Everyone's streaming it. They're like, how do we get this money? Apple and Spotify are making, you know, pretty much all of that money from those streaming. They really even weren't making that much. But I mean, I'm talking now, like where you pay an Apple Music subscription. You know, I'd love to see the breakdown for that. Um. But I, I digress. Get back to this. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm getting off I, track. Get I back could, to this. Three. I go in on it, but it's so you know
1: all this happened, and then labels started saying, "All right, so what? What we need to do is we need to find other sources of revenue." And so they looked at their artists, uh, newer artists, and they said, "Look, you make money off of touring." We currently don't take a piece of that. But the only reason you're making money on touring is because we put money in to back you. We marketed you. We got you in the studio. We're promoting your music so people listen to it, so people want to come to your shows. We want a piece of that money. They said, You also make money on merch.
0: I knew that that was next. Or that was my next you
1: question. You only make money on merch. Because we, we market you, it, we, we got you in the studio, we, we made this happen for you. And it goes down to, um, like, your publishing, um, you know, copyrights and stuff. Traditionally, um, record labels only owned the, the mechanical royalties on your music. So when it was sold on a CD or something, they got a piece of it. But they really didn't get a piece of the songwriting royalties. And so they started trying to dig into that a little bit, Um, not as successful in that realm. But it goes all the way to if you are a popular artist and you start making movies,
0: record label gets a piece of that. (laughs) I mean, essentially, when you say 360... It's everything. It's everything. We get they a piece own. of
1: everything that you make if your from name here is, on now so because we made you famous.
0: If Ronnie Radke from Falling in Reverse is on a 360 deal, I'm not not saying he is, I don't know, but I know they're signed <clears> to a record label. If Ronnie Radke from, from Falling in Reverse is on a 360 deal, they... Get a profit off of anything and everything he does, even down to let's say his TikTok revenue, because he's got a pretty big following on TikTok.
1: If it's in the if it's included in the agreement, then yes.
0: Jesus. So I mean, they own you. They 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 got you. They by own the your, balls. Just like in, in you won't get this reference, but just like in college football, where they have name, image, and likeness, where they are making money off of anything that has that artist's name, image, and likeness on it. Yep. T-shirts, yep. albums streaming all of it concerts all of it wow yeah so I and it's easy to understand why so many artists are reluctant to to get involved in that
1: so what's interesting is the big push on um, staying as an independent artist and a lot so of country you, artists do that it's really big in country right yeah, now. Yeah, it's really big in country music. Right and now. alternative music is, is the same. Where
0: Tosh Sultana, I believe, is independent. Is she not? Or am I wrong? Um,
1: that? I'm not sure. I haven't okay. looked into it. Sure, but, but it's it's understanding that when you are signed to a label, the only way for you to succeed is on a massive scale. Because... If it's not a massive scale, you're not getting out from under the debt with the, the label. Um, you're not really making any money because you're not getting anything from album sales or anything like that. They own your, you know, a, a chunk of your touring revenue all the way down to the merch, your your royalties, all this stuff. And so you have to succeed on a huge get. You, you have to be a top 10 artist. You have to be selling out stadiums. Yeah. Yeah. And when you do that, yeah, those, those artists end up making a fuckload of money. Yeah. But for every one of those artists that you see, there's about another fifteen that you don't see. A label will sign ten, fifteen artists hoping that one of them, one of them hits. hits. Yeah. And from there you look at independent artists. You can succeed on such a small level. Yeah. There are so many different ways for artists to make money. You don't even have to really leave your state, depending on what state you're in.
0: I have a great example of that, and it's country music. And I, I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not, but his name's Ryan Upchurch.
1: Heard of him, yeah. Yeah,
0: so Ryan Upchurch is is independent and is... is very strongly opposed to record labels, to good having his music played on country radio, good, to being owned by anybody other than Ryan fucking Upchurch. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And so he's different. You know, when he when he first got started he was like rap country, right? And it was it was odd. It wasn't my thing. But I respected the hell out of the game, right? I oh, respected yeah. the shit out of this dude who's doing it on his own. He's from fucking Cheatham County,
1: Tennessee You know, a bunch of labels came came for him trying to get him to sign when he finally started getting things rolling. Yes. And he basically flipped the bird off. He told them.
0: them to fuck off. So, not only that, but Ryan has gotten to the level where he is so well respected in the country music industry that he has gotten other artists. There's another artist named Chase Matthew that he got started up. He's really good friends with Jelly Roll. Do you know Jelly Roll? I'm familiar with Jelly Roll. Yeah, so he has gotten this span of influence where he is helping these guys. Now, I'm pretty sure, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that him and Chase Matthew got into a beef because he gets Chase started up and gets him going, and then Chase goes and signs a fucking record deal. I don't I don't know that story, but that's but what I'm saying is is Ryan he's never left fucking Cheatham County, Tennessee. He's still he's a multi millionaire driving a fucking Lamborghini, living in Cheatham County, Tennessee. All he, he done does independent stuff, he but does. yeah, it's it's definitely but independent. He plays big shows. Oh yeah, like he's very popular, and he's got I don't even want to call it a cult following because if you listen to country music. You probably know who Ryan Upchurch. You don't even listen to country music. You know who Ryan Upchurch is. I
1: I know who he is because uh I I wasn't a huge fan of of the, the hip hop hip hop that's movement. movement. It is, yeah. Um, I kind of made it made a lot of fun of it, mm-hmm. but. What I couldn't deny is that dude's story, was fantastic. Did you know that he just recently
0: did a cover of Nutshell?
1: I'll check it out. I'll check it out. I'll cry. Incredible. I'll cry. It's incredible.
0: It's fine. So, But I just <laughs> wanted to throw that out to you that he did do a cover of probably, and I, I'm putting this on the record, the greatest the record. song ever written. Nutshell, Allison Chains. Book it. Take it to fucking Vegas. I don't give a shit if it's divorce. If you call it divorce dad rock, that is the greatest song ever written. I am Go a ahead, divorce Tyler.
1: dad, and yep. I support this message. Absolutely. But- but yeah, hearing his story, and there was a rapper I can't remember his name. What he he did that thrift thrift store shopping? song. Uh, Macklemore. Yeah, so both of those guys started independent mm-hmm. and they made something of themselves. Now, I can't really say either of them did it entirely on their own. Right. You the you idea of, without a record company. Right. So yeah. a, an indie artist is is basically someone who is doing music without a record label. Now, there's a lot of other positions out there. You have a publicist, you have a tour manager, you have a booking agent, PR. you have PR rep, you have a merchandiser, you have a distributor. Even without a record label, you still need a distributor to get your shit out there. Yep. Like. There's still a lot of these components, but what he did is he he just said, fuck you, record label, I'm going to figure all this shit out on my own. I'm hiring
0: and firing everybody that's coming into my circle.
1: And you also have probably the most important position in the music industry right now, but often not talked about and probably not appreciated enough, is an artist manager.
0: Okay. And
1: so an artist manager is basically a guy that can take an artist and say, I'm going to handle
0: your entire business. Do you mean like uh, probably the most well-known one would be, for me at least, was Bob Rock with Metallica. Is that what you're talking to, the guy that's he's in the studio with them helping them produce albums and mix albums? He is booking their tours. He's I mean, he's in charge of all that. Is that what you're referring to? Just pretty, pretty much. Yeah. So an, an artist manager is that
1: guy that um, he's kind of your liaison between you and all the other team members. Okay. So if, if you look at, uh, say you're in a circle, in the center of the circle is the artist. Okay. And then on the outside you have your record label, distributor, merchandiser, publicist, uh, PR rep, all these different components. The manager is in the center of that circle with the artist saying, you don't have to fuck with any of this. You focus on the music, I'll focus on the business. Gotcha. And then I'll do that for 10%. Phenomenal fee. <laughs> 10, 10% of everything, yep. or 15% of everything, depending on how much clout they have. Gotcha. And, and so it's it's really a very important person to have and if you have a good manager. And that's what do for
0: Screaming Evidence.
1: That's, that's what I did try to do. Yeah. I I haven't done much right uh, over the last couple of years. Sure. But um, Meanwhile you've dropped that's the entire what, <laughs>
0: double album. That's <laughs> what
1: <laughs> so when I got into school, my my initial intention was that of just about any music fan is I wanna have my own label, I wanna start a label, I wanna I wanna help artists, I wanna do this, and the more I learn, the more I realize that record labels are definitely a um it's fine. Um, record labels are, are definitely a dying business model and, um, they're kind of the fucking devil.
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I I just, and, and you understand it from a completely different perspective than I do. Obviously, you know, I'm just, I'm just a music fan, right? I mean, I'm just some dude that plays guitar in his, in his bedroom and comes to the garage to jam so but you know my whole thing is <clears throat> i think that people have been taking advantage of of artists for 80 years i mean i could go back to longer to, than that man yeah man i mean you could go back to the 30s you know or or the 20s when when you know uh that big boom <laughs> jazz music came along <laughs> did i get that right did that sound right uh, it sounded yeah legit. so i mean you know I think that artists have been a little smarter as of late than they have been. I guess it only took
1: eighty, ninety years to learn. But well, it's like with everything, information is more available now. Yeah,
0: oh, that's Yeah, I mean, it's instant. Do you want an answer to something? It's right there. Google it. Google it. If you want to see boobs, Google it. <laughs> Make sure safe search is off. We went, yeah. Make sure (laughs) that's turned off. So we went from and 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 God, just just to keep everybody out of their feelings, we weren't trying to bash avenge Sevenfold. I was definitely bashing them, but I have no room to talk. We were definitely bashing avenge Sevenfold. (laughs) I think it might be time to hang it up. I'm, I'm just and you know what, Slipknot too, bro. Like, I don't know if you've... They're, yeah. They probably should have stopped after The Great Chapter because the last two albums have not been very good and it breaks my fucking heart because Slipknot is the best new metal band of all time. I don't give a shit about Korn. I don't give a shit about mm. System of a Down. Tyler's going to disagree with me here. But Slipknot, in if. my humble opinion, is the best new metal band of all time. So I... <sighs> But they 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 need to they need to change it up or hang it up.
1: We aren't even going to go there. No, we, won't. we 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 won't even go there because no. I
0: could I could go on I can go on about that. Yeah. So I I do want to know. Well, let's talk about this. So we went to a concert recently, didn't we? Mm. Mm-hmm. So we went and saw a few bands down in, in Newport, Kentucky. We uh,
1: saw the Almighty, Norma Jean.
0: We did. And uh, along with them was Fire from the Gods and Grey Haven. Um And I got to say, man, I mean, I love smaller venues, for one. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Newport in Columbus is one of my favorite venues. I've seen All the Remains there. I've seen Asking Alexandria there. I've seen uh, Miss May I, Fit for a King, August Burns Red, Crystal Lake. I've seen so many bands up there. So and the, the the venue that we went in Newport, Kentucky, not called the Newport, but in Newport, Kentucky, was very similar to the Newport in Columbus. Those smaller, intricate, or I'm sorry, intimate venues just make everything feel so much more raw. And when you are seeing the almighty Norma Jean, the rawest, most authentic, (laughs) fucking in-your-face, hardcore, we-don't-give-a-fuck band, these dudes are in their fucking 40s, aren't they? They're, they're getting up there. And they put on a hell of a show. I mean, I, I like, I I've, I always like Norma Jean, the, the uh, what's the, the latest album? Oh, All Hail. So I love the All Hail album. And some of their older stuff for me was a little too raw. Meaning I just, you know, I mean. Tyler, you know my favorite band is Polaris. I love Polaris. Era make them suffer. Monuments. Those bands that are super crisp. Their 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 mixes are always great. Their production's great. Everything is so punchy and clear. And Norma Jean was like almost the opposite of that. Not that it sounds fuzzy or shitty. It's just raw. It sounds like you're listening to them playing in a fucking garage. But it's it goes hard as fuck. Mm-hmm. And then when we heard them live, it's like a whole. It's it's like a it, out of body experience, man. I mean, when they so, played "Surrender," your sons, I was, <laughs> I, I was, I was contemplating punching dudes in the face in the pit. I mean, it's just so. I I really love talking about Norma Jean
1: because for me, I really didn't start getting into like metalcore and stuff until uh, until I started hanging out with like Preston, mm-hmm. and then uh, through him, started hanging out with you and uh, all, all you guys, but. Prior to that, about the only metal core I had listened to was some uh like of mice and men, but I didn't mm. even get into them until I was like twenty three yeah, you know, so I really didn't start getting into that kind of music until I was older mm-hmm. but one of the first bands i I discovered when I started looking for more of the heavier screaming but also singing kind of kind of music. Um, was Norma Jean, and what I loved about them was that they were so raw. Yeah, because a lot of the music that I liked, that that I appreciated, that was heavier, was more along the lines of that raw sound. And what I part of it was being kind of closed minded and arrogant yeah. because I thought a lot of these other bands it was overproduced, it was it was fake, not authentic. You know what? Yeah. It wasn't organic at all, and it it took me a while to get into those kind of bands. And part of it was seeing some of them live and sure. seeing that they can actually do it live. They can jam. Yeah. they can jam. But uh, you know, bands like Norma Jean that that were just gritty and they they just didn't give a fuck, yep. man. And that's that's what it is. It was guys that wanted a rage, didn't give a fuck if you liked them or not. Yep. They were going to write some bomb ass songs, and you know maybe the the production wasn't going to be this super polished sound, and it it was clear that that's not what they were really wanted. Right, that wasn't their intention. Yeah. Right, that wasn't their intention. You know, they're up there with their fifty one fifties and right. just just the, letting 50, it go, <laughs> screaming. But uh,
0: screaming, tube screamers and everything. When
1: when I started hanging out with you and Preston more, and I I started. Listening to more of your guys' music i I try to get you guys into Norma Jean once and, failed. and I time. failed and i I failed miserably and yep. part of it was I didn't show you guys the right stuff first
0: I don't even remember what the the very first one you showed me, but I do know what you showed me that got me into him, and it was the anti mother album yeah, and so I don't
1: remember what I shared with you guys first so so that you all know we have a group chat um the the three of us. And uh, we just share music in it all day, all every day, day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> and I would share these Norma Jean songs and some of these other like hardcore raw, Ross, raw sounding bands that I'm not even going to get into. But these guys would just completely shoot it down. And we were sitting in my kitchen one day, and I had my JBL speaker hooked up, and Kyler was over, and I played viper uh, snakes yep, and actors. I I, I played mother. that. And I was like, bro, listen to this. And so I played it, and it was it was through the speakers, so it was nice and loud. And the the riff got the head bobbing. Uh, it
0: got, and then, I think it got me a little more than bobbing. And I, then was, I was bouncing. A li-
1: yeah. When dude started screaming, I seen the stink face.
0: <laughs> <laughs> every, every fucking metal fan knows the stink face. If you don't know the stink face, turn the podcast metal. off. Yeah, turn the podcast off. But he... he that's the thing is is it, it, in this friend group, you know, the three of us, we have we always tried to challenge each other's um, ideals on on what they like. Right. And that's it, I feel like you're not you're not metal buddies if you're not doing that. And just like Tyler had mentioned where, um, you know, pr- uh, our other buddy Preston and myself were, you know, trying to get him into Polaris and era and periphery or whatever metalcore band it might be, you know. Just kind of challenging his ideals, where he he'd been in this this swing of you know he's a big thrice fan and and listening to uh, bands like that and Norma Jean um, and really you know still loving grunge music and things like that. You know we wanted to challenge his his ideals and he. Oh, did this. I was
1: very much more into hard rock than I was in metal.
0: Yeah, and we were quite the opposite. You yeah, know? and now it's like wow we all listen to everything. Yeah. So. I think it's a much better world that we all listen to everything because we can just <laughs> send shit. We do. I mean, we send shit in the group chat all day long, and today the group chat was popping. Oh, it was popping, poppin'. dude. popping. We had some- I what listened was- to that song you sent three times in a row. So, I, for, for, uh, just for your information, the song I sent him, which is also featured on my TikTok right now, is Contraband by Make Them Suffer, featuring Courtney LaPlante from Spearbox. And mm. it is an absolute violent song. It is violent. And when if you're I not ready to, to him, murder someone, don't turn yeah, it on. No, he te- texted back in the chat and said, "That's exactly what I needed today. Some fucking violence. That is metal <laughs> ass fuck." So, but this show, man this this Norma Jean show and and let's be honest, you know the openers were really good. I thought Greyhaven was better than Fire from the Gods. Mm-hmm. I, I I really like Fire from the Gods just listen to them on my phone, but I felt like, and I'm not bashing him at all because he's a, I, I talked to him after the show. He's a great guy. Their vocalist struggles a little bit with some of his stuff live. Oh, yeah. And that's okay. He he definitely struggled
1: with screaming. Yeah. And to to speak on that for a moment, a lot of people think that screaming is just nonsense and that it yeah. takes no talent and that it's just so yelling in the microphone. And you have to shape your your throat and your vocal cords and your fucking mouth a certain way, yeah. to, and then project from your chest, yep. which is also really difficult for a lot of people to do. I mean, if you listen to anybody sing nowadays, most people are singing through their through fucking, their fucking nose. nose. Yep, And you have to project through your chest and what's crazy about it is a true scream, like you you hear in metalcore and hardcore and a lot of this stuff, it's not very loud. No,
0: it's not. It's not. And a lot of people, there's, there's some bands out there that fucking whisper scream on albums. Crossfade. Crossfade. Godsmack. Oh, God. Hey, but, easy. Uh, hey. Easy. But yeah, it's I, I think that screaming is an art and I'm probably just like anybody else that fucking practices in their car, right? I mean, I think we all probably have done that at some point. Oh, but yeah. it's you know, you you know, you and I have been friends for several years now, and I remember when we first started hanging out and jamming together, you straight up told me, like, man, I I am not very good at screaming. And your evolution, you know, of learning and kind of teaching yourself and coaching yourself, coaching your body on how to scream you know and then on the last record that you guys dropped where you have a ton of screams in it Mm -hmm. is hella impressive just how much you've grown and then obviously I've watched you guys play live and just the way that you're able to you know teach that muscle memory and and put that into a live show is impressive and and it just comes with honing your craft
1: yeah so I mean it was out of necessity it, it got to a point where we we started writing more and more songs with screaming in it, um, getting heavier, and, which I love, and oh, I, I lobbied it's, it's, for. It's been it's been fantastic, mm-hmm. but um, it got to a point where Sean, him singing at such high pitches as he does, he can't scream as much as these songs demand, and do the singing at the same time. And so, as we've developed in our writing style and got gotten heavier and stuff, it, it basically got to a point where Sean looked at me as like, "Dude, I need you to do more." Yeah. And I was like, "I can see you're struggling." <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love you, brother. We've so been I will for try. Long time, and you are struggling. Yeah. And,
1: I, and so I will try. And so I. I started screaming the way that that he does and the way that he originally did, which was more of picking a pitch and, like, contracting your throat and your vocal cords to a point where it gets really raspy Mm -hmm. and just push it. So it really was like screaming into a microphone. And you can only do that for so long. Yeah. Like, I can do that for, like, maybe three songs that we do. And past that, you know, you're just destroying your voice, and that's why. And you sing too, so that, you can't you can't do right, that. At I the can't. Des- of I the show, can't. Yeah. I can't destroy my my no. vocals. And so Sean was running into that. He was just destroying his vocals four or five songs in, and you know, by the time we get to the last song, dude's He's like j- yelping. Yeah. <laughs> and it got to this this point where, when I started trying to do it, I was like, I know the way I'm doing it is wrong. And so I have to figure out how to really do it correctly. And that's when I started listening to Like of Mice and Men and stuff. Austin Carlisle, <clears throat> baby. And I, I never li- listened or watched tutorials on how to scream. I know they're out there, but I'm hard-headed. And so I would just listen to it. And I could pretty well tell when I'm hearing a vocalist sing or scream or whatever I can figure out how he's projecting, how he's shaping his voice, and I can try to mimic it. And so I tried to base a lot of the way I started screaming off of how he screams. And it it started working out. And the problem is building the muscle memory around that is incredibly difficult because that is not the way your fucking voice is supposed to project. No. (laughs) <laughs> no. no. They're called unclean
0: vocals for a reason.
1: And and switching from singing to screaming in a song, especially when it's back to back is a motherfucker.
0: And and I think that's kind of where, you know, I noticed AJ from Fire from the Gods struggling because he did it all, right? He, he did. He, he did it all. And he was really good those first 3 4 songs. And then it started to drop off. And he was, you know, he was pointing the microphone. Yeah, he was just yelling. Guy. And he was Help like, you me. guys do it. <laughs> Help me. Hey, so, I'm struggling. Yeah, <laughs> I am struggling. <laughs> so, and I am not shitting on the guy at all. Don't don't, don't think that I am because I well, really. Well, you, you
1: really can't because he's like eight feet tall.
0: No, he's a big dude. He would fuck me up. Dude. That's a big <laughs> dude. That's a large human being. Like I said, I talked to him after the show when I was up at the merch tent. And super nice guy. English oh, yeah. English fella, by the way, from Texas, which is odd. All right, so he he is an English fella that's eight feet tall from Texas. Make that make sense. Math it out for me. Yeah, ma- the math isn't math in there. But anyways, super nice guy. But yes, he was definitely struggling. And and you know, Greyhaven, I thought, man, they're just different. There's there's so much oh, like Norman Jean that and you, I'll I'll tell you guys straight up, I don't like listening to the records but they put on a fucking hell of a show and i was losing my shit. So there is a lot of bands that you know it, you know it's hard for me to not enjoy a band live. Mhm. I cannot like your music on a record, but i can almost promise you if you put on a decent performance live and you get people going, you get i mean you, you put on a good show, i'm going to have a good fucking time and i'm probably going to give your music a second chance because i know how it sounded live and i remember how it made me feel.
1: That sounded mm.
0: that sounded kinda intimate, but you know.
1: Well that's that's the intimacy of, of live music, man. Yeah. And you know, people go there to feel something.
0: Yeah. And I think I think
1: And a lot of people rob themselves of that experience by holding you know, their fucking phone up the whole watching time. The, the concert through their fucking phone.
0: Yeah. I mean I, I recorded a couple songs because I wanted to have that, but for the most part, you know, there's people there it drives me nuts and I'm sure there's a lot of people that'll listen to this, that'll say the same thing. It drives me nuts. Maybe you're one of these people, and if you are, you're fucking dumb, that sit there with their phone on fucking Facebook Live the whole fucking show. Yeah, bro. Why are you You're there? using up all the bandwidth. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to watch porn in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> look I, i'm just trying to i'm just trying to text and check in on my fucking kids yeah. and, and <laughs> my so, kids my kids are dying yeah. at a fucking babysitter's house and, and I you're got, on dip, facebook live. yeah you're
0: on facebook live so i just I, i've never understood that but i mean to each their own i guess but that's just not i mean i'm there to to feel and appreciate the atmosphere that that artist wants to create Exactly, you are living in their space, and I you know, like Norma Jean, those dudes have been doing it for fucking twenty years or more, more than twenty years since the late nineties, right Mhm, and you know th- they never quote unquote blew up right. you know they're they're not they are not Memphis Mayfire or some of these these bands that you know just blew the fuck up, they kept it. Fairly small. I mean, they still play good sized shows, but mm-hmm. you're never going to hear them on radio. You're not going to hear very many people go, "Oh man, I, I was, I was banging some Norma Jean today." It's just not a band that a lot of people talk about, and I think that's borderline criminal because it's a band people should be talking about. Oh yeah. So, on that topic of live shows, what's on your what's on your list, Tyler? For like your your next man, I got I got to see these motherfuckers live. That you um, haven't seen. You've seen a you've, ton of bands live. I actually
1: haven't seen that many live, um, which which is something I've been trying to remedy. Yeah. Um, I was really working on seeing more bands, and then COVID hit it, yeah. and fucked that up. Yep. But um, a band I really want to see. Look, I almost went into a depression spell when Tosh Sultana canceled her fucking concert.
0: Where was she supposed to play,
1: so I wanna say it was last year she was supposed to play in like Newport, Kentucky, or something like that, and Preston, his wife, myself, and I think Preston's sister were gonna go mm-hmm. and so we had we had set up tickets and stuff, and then, like a week before uh Sydney lets us know that for whatever reason, the show isn't happening. And I was so ready to be at that show. Oh yeah, that would be like going to see Stevie Ray Vaughan in the '80s, man. And I, I, I was like, I'm going to fucking eat some edibles, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to let her melt my fucking face. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't happen. Mm. And now she's in Australia.
0: Yeah, she is Australian.
1: She is Australian. So
0: she's on your list.
1: She is one hundred percent on my list. I have to see it live. If
0: if is she at the top of your list though? Right now one?
1: she's probably at the the top of my list.
0: Okay. So and I, I think I told you this earlier. My number one right now, and it's probably you know, people are probably gonna be like, Oh, you're just a fucking bandwagon. You uh, No, I've been listening to these dudes since twenty sixteen. But Bad Omens is at the top of the list for me. I mm. I I and some bands I love that I don't think would be worth seeing live. And I thought Bad Omens would be one of them, just because the type of the music they play. And then I watched a live video of them, and I was like, "Holy fuck! I got to go see these dudes live." Noah, their 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 front man. Mm-hmm. If you think his pipes are good on the record, you ought to hear him live because it is. You know he's he's got those real high notes, but then he, you know he's screaming mm-hmm. too. He's doing all that. And I watched a live show, and that dude just rips, and he never stops. So I would love to see them live quickly. I don't know. I know they're on tour right now. <laughs> I gotta check the tour dates. And we're trying as a friend group to you know, you know, like go to a show every other month at least. And right, and it's good for the soul. It's good for the mental health. It's good for the brotherhood. It's uh, it's something we're all trying to get better at. And I encourage everybody to you know, go to as many live shows as you can, man. You never know how much longer these bands are gonna be on the road, or, you know. Don't take don't take that shit for granted. It's it's a good time. And keep your fucking phone down, man. Just enjoy the music. Just man. enjoy it. That's all I, I mean.
1: It's not even so much the music that, it's the that you're there. Man. It's the
0: atmosphere, it's it's the vibe, it's the feeling. You'll it's talk the feeling people, of community, man. You'll talk to people that, you know, okay, so here's me. I walk up to this Norma Jean show in a camouflage sweatshirt, a pair of jeans and boots, and I'm the only motherfucker there that looks like that. But that don't matter, because I'm talking to some dude with big-ass gauges in his ear and nose rings and shit that if people saw the two of us talking they would think it was for a fucking movie or something. We were we were actors. <laughs> but that's the whole point. Is it don't matter when you, it don't matter who you vote for, who what what you support, what you don't support, what you do for a living. You're there because you are fans of this band or this genre of music and it's a community. And you're 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 breaking down those walls of division and and getting together to reach a commonality of these dudes fucking jam. And we're going to bang our heads together. Yeah, and, and
1: I mean, I, I read a very interesting book uh, a couple years ago called Fanocracy. Okay. And the whole premise of, of this book is understanding how to get people to be a fan of whatever the fuck it is you do. Okay. Whether it's music or it is something that you're selling, or your business, or anything. How to get people to be a fan, and, and they really go back to a lot of these uh, music concepts of you know live music and stuff like that, and they they break down what makes that such a great feeling and how to incorporate that into other things that you do. But you know one of the things they talked about was just you you run across someone on the street that has a band t-shirt on mm-hmm. and that is a band that you fucking love yeah but it's not a band that's like super po- it's not a fucking nirvana shirt it's that you got you- it's not a nirvana shirt that you you got at walmart and or this this person got as it's a i name gift. three songs people <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's not that it's it's a band that someone had to get that shirt at a concert and this is a band that you love. What feelings arise once you see that person with that shirt on? You haven't even talked to him yet. What do you what do you what do you feel?
0: Yeah, dude. I, are you asking me? Mhm. Yeah. So every time that that's ever happened to me, I'm like, "Dude, fuck yeah.
1: We're best friends." Well,
0: I've <laughs> been jamming them since whatever. Like, I mean, I'm I'm striking up a conversation with and that's no bullshit. You know me. I'm not oh, yeah. to talk to anybody, but if I see somebody walking down the street that's wearing a fucking you know polaris shirt i'm like what's up dude yeah that's my fucking shit like and he you know they probably think i'm full of shit you know the way i you know dress on a daily basis but it's just you you already feel that sense of friendship and common you know commonality i said that word already but commonality with them that's exactly what it is and you've you've the ice is broken you you, you it's could shattered. You were instantly. You like, broke
1: through the fucking iceberg. Yeah. Fuck the Titanic. You
0: yeah. Fuck the Titanic. You are instantly. That's kind of fucked up. A lot of people died. It but. was a long time ago. I think we can make <laughs> jokes about it now. It's all good. It's not too soon. It okay. Was nine eleven long enough ago that we can make jokes uh, about it? it was years. But anyways, well, I don't, I don't know. Um. So you you have already like created a almost a relationship. It's with a bond, them. man. And that sounds I mean, there's there's people that might listen to this that which if you're not into fucking metal music and, and hard rock music, you shouldn't be listening to this anyways, but there's people that might listen to this be like, man, that's cheesy as fuck. No, it's really not. If if you it's think that and you've never experienced that. It's just like, and I'll put it in terms of a sports team, bro. If you're walking down the street and somebody else is wearing an Ohio State sweatshirt, you're like, hey, go bucks. That's the first words out of your mouth. Yeah. It's no different with music. But I think it's stronger with music because especially with certain bands like like, like Norma Jean or like, um, you know, make them suffer. Maybe some bands that aren't widely known that, like you said, you know they fucking got that T-shirt from either the band's personal website or a concert. Mm-hmm. They didn't get their fucking shirt at Walmart or a thrift store. Definitely they had did, to,
1: you're definitely not going to find an Norma Jean shirt at Target.
0: No. We got one, though. We went to the we, goddamn yeah, show. yeah, we did. Yeah. But you, you know... They're real, because they they got that shirt on. They listen to that band. I listen to that band. I love that band. We him and I or her and I have common ground that we can talk about. And if that's you're and is, I've man. been the person that's wearing the shirt, that someone has came up to me and said, "Fuck yeah, dude." It's and it and and it's being a cool that person.
1: It's super
0: fucking cool. You're like, Damn, somebody else knows these motherfuckers. And, Look, and it sounds my like shit on the band, but you're not. Yeah,
1: go ahead. My tattoos just like that. The one tattoo I thought nobody would, would understand or, or notice. The League from
0: Greyhaven was like, bro, is that Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it's it's so this has tattoo. A Let's... Yeah, so I, I have a sleeve, it's it's just a bunch of album covers, a collage, if you will. And it's one incredible. of them is I just have
0: a I just have deer and feathers tattooed on my arm. Yeah. And so one of these <laughs>
1: tattoos is from uh, a band called uh, Brand New, and their album uh, The Devil and God Rage Inside Me or something like that. Sounds and right. <clears throat> I'm terrible with names, yes, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm god-awful. But this is the one tattoo I never really thought anyone would really recognize, and that is the one tattoo that I have had— A dozen people maybe not a dozen but i've had several people be like whoa is that brand new all of a sudden my my whole demeanor changes all of a sudden this is my best fucking friend that i haven't seen in 10 years and we're catching up we're talking about brand new and how awesome they are and all this shit and it's the same it's the same thing it's just this sense of uh like you said, commonality and, and community, community and uh, creating bonds with, with strangers. And, and I think that's something that doesn't happen enough. I mean, look, we're sitting here doing a podcast
0: because of music. Yes. right? I mean, obviously because of our friendship. But, bro, our friendship pretty much stems from music, does it not? It re- it, that, and mean, that and golf. That and golf. But we love golf. Speaking of which, it's almost that It's, it's time, almost dude. that time. It's almost time for a sig to the face. And teeing off at Buckeye Hills <laughs> and losing <laughs> eighty-five balls, but I mean that's that's the thing is you know Tyler and I have created a lifelong friendship ninety percent based off of music, yeah, and that's what that kind of shit can do for you. So, you know, I've met go people, to a fucking show, go to a show. I don't give a shit who it is. You know, I and I've been to all different. I mean, I, I so I've seen I've seen Corn Rob Zombie, in this moment all the remains I mean I've been to rock on the range so you know you see 50 different bands there but I've been to so many different types of of rock and or metal music and each show you're going to meet different people right you're going to interact with people that appreciate and interpret music differently and I personally love like just bouncing shit off of other people's heads like hey how do you feel about this what what does this make you feel did you like so and so's last album that you know just different things like that we're able to strike up random conversations and kind of we you know, like hot takes yeah oh we love we love hot man you got me <laughs> new segment on the pod it is time for that metal hot take oh god hit tyler, me with it tyler oh you want me to go first hit him
1: hit me with a hot take okay. what are we what are we going to talk about
0: all right, you're oh, you're going to hate me. I know you're going to hate me. All right, my metal hot take Nirvana is easily the most overrated band of the last 30 years. And my reasoning for that is because in my mind they wrote the same song over and over and over again. They played the same three fucking chords in every song over and over and over again. The best part of that band was Dave Grohl. The only song that I kind of like is Come As You Are. Like, I just don't... Bloom's okay, <coughs> but I just... To me, they're not grunge. Alice in Chains is grunge. That is grunge music. That is what I consider... Real grunge. Nirvana to me was just rock music. They were just so hard rock music. I'll, I'll start by saying I'm an idiot.
1: I knew as soon as you said, "Hey, bro, let's 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 do a podcast," we were eventually going to talk about Nirvana. Yeah, you,
0: I i, you know, you I knew we was. Well. <laughs> yeah, and so,
1: well.
0: look, Go ahead. Rush, look, Nirvana's not something I listen to
1: all the time. Yeah, but what a lot of people don't understand about Nirvana is it was never meant to be grunge. Okay, it it was that was never Kurt Cobain's ideal. Okay, Kurt Cobain grew up listening to pop music of his time. He was a huge fan of the Beatles. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: wasn't he a big Prince fan too? I mean, who's not? That's true. That's (laughs) that's true. That was. But here's the thing: he he grew up with with
1: that kind of musical influence of these these pop musical artists. And if you listen to the Beatles, look, no one's going to deny the Beatles was one of the biggest bands that ever existed. Mm -hmm. But you listen to their music, and it was pretty simple. Like there wasn't a ton of complexity to it. And yeah, they weren't like the Who
0: in the 60s right. They they, they weren't were doing, like yeah. the Who or, or the Rolling the Stones, Stones or you know, anything Pink like Floyd. that. They
1: yeah. they were writing more simplistic music, music that was more enjoyable to the masses. And I have to admit, there's like a lot of there, there's a lot more pop influence on me than than I really let on. Mm-hmm. And so Kurt Cobain grew up with that gets more into his like young adulthood and he's he's in this Seattle scene and at that time what was really popular? What was growing in popularity I should say.
0: And are we talking the late eighties? Yeah. Are you talking musically? Or are you talking culturally? Musically. musically.
1: And culturally, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, in the late eighties, early nineties, you know, you had Guns N' Roses, Pantera, mm-hmm. musically. I mean, people were getting on a lot heavier drugs back then. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, I'll be really honest. There was a lot more suicide at yep. the time. Suicide was getting kind of out of hand at that point. I'm not. I'm not using that as an omen to what happened to Kurt Cobain, but things were just kind of. I mean, school shootings. I don't want to. It was so, just getting darker. Like like America. I feel like in general, and, and Seattle especially was just.
1: Well, it's a dark place anyway. It is. It's raining all the time. But around. uh, just,
0: yeah. punk. Okay, punk was, so I was completely fucking off. On he all was my completely points. off. Right. I didn't know where but, you were going, I mean. But I the, was, those are good points yeah.
1: too. But but punk was was really starting to become this popular thing, late eighties, early nineties. Um, and and that's what like Kurt Cobain was a huge fan of. He he was a huge fan of punk music, and there was a particular band in the Seattle uh, area that he would hang around with that, you know, with, with like certain books I've read and stuff of that era, these guys are, are really only known through the people that were in that vicinity and were kind of known as the somewhat godfathers of grunge. Um, I don't know the name of the band, anyone that, actually does know it can can let me know what it is but uh again i'm terrible with names but kurt cobain when he was writing music was writing on the influence that he had which was pop music of his early days um his, his you know adolescence and he was a big fan
0: of punk and that's why
1: that's why his fucking music sounds like gibberish.
0: It wasn't the Pixies, was it?
1: No. And no. It wasn't
0: wasn't the Sex Pistols.
1: No. Those those are all like punk, like true punk bands and I think most of them came out of New York. But um with with all that, that's why his music sounds like gibberish as he mm. was it, it was meant to be pop punk. He was like the OG pop punk. So
0: the, the, the only
1: reason people labeled them as grunge is because they dress like all the grunge dudes because in fucking uh, the state of Washington, it's cold, everybody's poor, everyone's wearing fucking flannels. Yep,
0: And everybody's depressed. And everybody's
1: depressed, and they came up at the same time as you know, Pearl Jam and Allison Chains and Soundgarden and all those bands that came out of that Seattle scene.
0: Stone Temple Pilots. I Stone
1: Temple uh, uh, I don't know if they were Seattle. I don't know if they were either. But <clears throat> just it, it was guilty by association is what it was. I
0: think that was one of Kurt Cobain's problems, right? It, it, was, it was like a disassociation thing. Like people are labeling me and Nirvana something we're not.
1: So, that that was a component of it. He also hated his fame. Oh, 100%. Absolutely hated Dude, his fame. Just,
0: do you believe that he actually killed himself, or do you believe that Corny Love had something to do with it? I'm not trying to get into conspiracy theories, but I'm just curious.
1: So, to not get into conspiracy theories, but also dabble in it, I don't know that he killed himself. I mean, to say that you killed yourself with a shotgun... After taking enough fucking heroin to kill a horse seems a little far fetched. Yeah. However, the dude was on a lot of heroin. Maybe he had a little more tolerance to it than we we understand. Sure. And I also have a friend that put a fucking shotgun in his mouth and blew the trigger. Mm-hmm. I know it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um do Same, I think actually, yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately, but one way or another I don't think he was fucking happy
0: with with I being alive.
1: So. I mean, he, he he was he was extremely depressed. You well, he had attempted in, in Rome
0: on tour before that. Yeah, you know where he had uh, attempted an OD, um, or at least that's what Courtney Love said. She said that was an actual suicide attempt. But again, I'm not, I don't want to get too much into that. But you know, and and I w- I just want to preface this by saying I am not trying to shit on Nirvana. I I respect the shit out of what they did. I respect the shit out of. Kurt Cobain and Dave Grohl and and you know they were incredibly popular incredibly successful unfortunately I think that was Kurt Cobain's downfall but it's just not and this is this is all just personal opinion right mm-hmm. this that's what it's a hot take. hot take I just I don't have a single Nirvana song downloaded on my phone I don't listen to them whatsoever if a song comes on and, you know, your your car or something, I'm not going to skip it. I'll listen to it, but I don't go out of my way to listen to Nirvana because it's just not my cup of tea. Grunge in general really isn't, except for Alice in Chains. I do like Pearl Jam, but Alice in Chains to me was just so much different.
1: So the other thing about Nirvana is one of the things I, I loved about them was at the time they became popular. A, a a vocalist, a lead vocalist playing guitar while singing was not very common. Sure. And Nirvana Especially was always out of Yeah. Nirvana was a fucking three piece. Mm-hmm. You look at what Screaming Evidence was at one time, we were a three piece. Mm-hmm. Do you know how hard it is to do anything complicated musically? When you have one guitar played by a dude who's also the lead vocalist and a bass player and a drummer, that's why he didn't play anything complicated. That's why he he, he couldn't. It's it's extremely difficult. But can I argue this with you though? There are people that that Jim do Hedfield play. James
0: and Dave Mustaine did.
1: Yeah, yeah, they did. They shredded. They they let it rip. I, mean, I I can't
0: deny that. But I mean, they had another guitarist who, if they fucked up a couple of bars. Yeah. They had somebody to cover for. But it's like this. Sean can sing and play
1: things that I cannot fucking fathom doing. Correct.
0: I couldn't sing fucking Mary had a little lamb and play along <laughs> to it, dude. So I am not shitting on anybody that can do it cuz it is So um, the the whole ability of being able to sing and play guitar to me is is mesmerizing. It always has been. I just I am so fascinated by it because you are doing two completely different things. Your hands are doing something on their own while your 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 mouth is doing something completely different, and they're 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 not going together. You know it's even,
1: you know even harder playing bass if you're picking with your fingers like you do, like I do, and trying to sing.
0: Yeah, that would be.
1: And the reason being, the reason it's harder is because oftentimes the rhythm you're playing on the guitar is roughly the same rhythm that you're singing in in almost in in most songs where at least in tempo the 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 vocalist is is singing and playing the rhythm is is roughly the same or similar enough to where it meshes well mm-hmm. with the bass particularly the type of shit that I write on the bass it's it's more groove based so I'm not so rhythmically I'm kind of playing something a little bit different than you know, what the guitar's playing or what vocals are going on, what Scotty's doing on the drums. And I'm I'm just I'm picking out the groove of the song, and I'm carrying the groove. Mm-hmm. But the fucking vocals don't go along with the groove a lot of the time. And so not only am I using all of my fucking appendages here, um I'm pick I'm strumming the strings with my, my right hand. I'm doing weird shit with my left hand, playing all these different notes, because I hate just writing one damn note, because that's the, the lamest shit you can do as a bass player, and I'm also trying to sing.
0: Mm-hmm. Or scream.
1: Or scream. Like, yep. Lovecraft, our song uh, Lovecraft.
0: yeah. hmm
1: Do you know how long it took me to be able to scream that part on top of the, the bass line I wrote?
0: Well, are you talking about that fucking gnarly-ass bass line that, like, you you wrote it and then had to practice it for like two weeks to get it right. Is that the one you're talking about? Because I remember um, sitting in the garage while you were like <clears throat> trying to nail that that riff down. I don't know if I'm that. I don't. I don't know
1: that that's the one. So in in Lovecraft, in Lovecraft you know, it breaks into, uh, comes out of the verses and goes into a heavier part, and I wrote. What I play, not realizing that Sean was going to ask me to scream something,
0: uh-huh.
1: you put and so horse, bud. <laughs> I, what the guitarists are are doing is kind of a pretty, pretty gnarly rhythm, and I decided I was going to go along with that and do it in my own way on the bass to complement what they were doing. And the riff itself was kind of tough. And then Sean was like, Hey, I want you to scream this. And I was like, Sean, what do you mean? <laughs> did you hear, you hear that fucking bass line that I like, just like do you do you see what I'm playing? And he's like, Well you can just do less on the bass, and I was like,
0: <gasps> <laughs> How fucking dare you, Sean? The fuck did you just say to me? Are you squandering my creativity? <laughs> So
1: I have such so much a harder time singing and playing the bass than no. I ever did singing, singing and, and playing, playing the guitar. guitar, but the the guys who have it the worst are these crazy some bitches that'll play drums and sing.
0: Huh. Yeah, that's. I mean, Phil Collins. It's retarded. You know, I, there's not too too many of them. I mean, Tommy Lee does some with Motley Crue, but
1: mm. you know. I'm not overly impressed with that. That's fair.
0: That's fair. He's he just gets a lot of bitches. Yeah, year. I mean But
1: he's got a big wiener. He
0: he posts it online a lot for all of us to see. So yeah. I, I'm I am one of those uh millions of individuals who has seen Tommy Lee's Pecker more times than I care to mention. <laughs> so rough follow on Twitter. Rough follow on Twitter. Um so that's my uh heavy metal hot take. And again, I'm not shitting on Nirvana. these are hot takes only right, personal Tyler, opinions personal opinions, Tyler what's your heavy metal hot take for me? Mm. you've had time to think about this i really I really you wasn't need expecting to me
1: here. I really wasn't expecting you to hit me with with, with a hot Nirvana take all right now. so uh, a hot take here's something I feel like we may have talked about before, but I can't remember. I know I've talked to Preston about it, because we bitch about it, Mm -hmm. and I don't know how involved you were in the conversation, but how do you feel about metalcore now?
0: God, this is such a tough topic, and it's one that I've covered, I've I've gone to war with people on my TikTok over, and it's almost like metalcore has split into at least two different subgenres. Right. So you have you have bands like Bad Omens and A Day to Remember, Beartooth, um, Sleeping with Sirens, if you can consider them in that day seeker, Day Seeker, uh, Boys of Fall. Mm. Um, So there are bands like that that are I don't want to say vocally driven. I would almost throw periphery in there that I don't want to say are vocally driven, but are just not in that same vein as, you know, when when you say the word metalcore to older guys that are, you know, maybe our age or a little, you know, late 20s, early 30s, they're thinking Bullet For My Valentine, As I Lay Dying, Kill Switch Engage, All The Remains. That's where they're going with metalcore, Right. right? When somebody says metalcore now, what I consider true metalcore is the bands like Era, Polaris, Make Them Suffer, Monuments. Um, maybe old architects. Um, still, as I lay dying, those those um, classical um, bands like Killswitch and whatnot. That's what when I hear the word metalcore, that's what I think. But, but those, that's
1: because you you were there in the beginning. Yeah, you you, you right. followed the movement.
0: But I struggle to throw like bands like We Came as Romans, Memphis May Fire, Miss May I, Fit for a King. Um, Bad Omens. I mean, the list goes on and on. I struggle to throw those bands into that genre anymore. And I might get crucified for that because it's, it's just, you know, there's almost a, dare I say, a heaviness level that I think you have to be at to be anointed a metalcore band. That sounds really elitist. That's a it, I mean, it, it, it does sound so, elitist, so but at the same time, it's it's le- it's a legitimate argument because people people on TikTok say that I'm a I'm a boomer core fan. So, oh, I, wow. Yeah. Boomer core. That's a term I hadn't heard before. Um, and I that I'm i uh, I'm a gatekeeper of metal because <laughs> because because I have a personal opinion. Um, so and, and being the, the metal core uh, boomer core gatekeeper that I am. You know, I, I I don't consider a lot of these newer bands metalcore. Um, I don't know fair. what to call them, but they're Dayseeker is not metalcore. That is not metalcore, right? I I don't know. It's good. I love it. I love Boys of We love Boys of Fall. Mm-hmm. That's not metalcore. No. It's 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 like,
1: often labeled as metalcore, I could, but popcore. Maybe, we, Pop- started maybe we started a new thing. Started a new thing. Maybe but it's, it's popcore. So popcorn you know we we've we've come to this dilemma dozens of times in in music over the last you know thirty fifty years, however much you wanna say and it's it's a situation where things start in this particular fashion in this particular um you know vibe or sound or whatever the hell you want to call it and then other bands kind of come in and and they're they're similar enough to it to kind of be in the same be labeled in the same genre and then more bands come that are maybe similar to that that second artist that came in, and then so on and so forth and then it becomes oh well, we're not that we're a new thing, mm-hmm. and so we get into this this dilemma where we start creating new genres, new names. And if you had to sit here and list every official, I guess you can say Sub-genre. genre of music, You're all we'd like. be here until fucking Sunday morning mm-hmm. trying to label them all. Yep. And I and think it's stupid. I think it's personally. stupid too. It's like, Hey, you got rock, you got, you metal, got metal, you got, you know, whatever it is. I think having some level of subgenre helps because you know metal could be um fucking Metallica or it could be Korn.
0: They're completely different.
1: Completely different. Not even in the same ballpark. No. But how how far do we take it yeah. with with creating subgenres? So a
0: perfect example of that is let's say you take a band like Bleed From Within mm-hmm. or Currents. That some might say, man, they're almost Deathcore. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think they're Deathcore. Hey, that, that, I know that, OG that, Deathcore. That
1: bleed, that bleed from within fire. album. That bleed from within
0: fucking disgust. Sovereign makes me want to cut people's heads off. FBI, if you're listening, that's that's just a metaphor. I don't actually mean that. But it's not a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> but, so Take you, him away. You've got you've got bands like that that are Uh, After the Burial is another great example. You got bands like that that some might consider deathcore. I don't consider them them deathcore. You know, I consider them still in that metalcore genre. But they're still completely different from era in the sense of, you know, they don't have a ton of clean vocals, if any, clean vocals at all. So, you know, where do you draw... That line, I guess, and and I agree with you, Tyler, in the sense of, I agree with with sub-genres to an extent, but I think that it gets to a point where it's fucking ridiculous and you get these people on social media that are the fucking metal police that want to correct you at every fucking corner and say, well, they're not a real metalcore band, they're blah, 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 blah. You know what? They're fucking metal. Yeah, there's all these metal elitists, and... Oh, I've been called <clears throat> one for no fucking reason,
1: but I'm just... You're, well, you're, I think I think part of it comes from a lot of these, quote-unquote, metal elitists are musicians themselves. Yes. And when you are a musician that is, you know, a fan of a particular band or genre or whatever, you start getting kind of defensive. Mm-hmm. So, like think of grunge okay and then think of post grunge okay how do how do a lot of these grunge uh, these OG grunge artists feel about the post grunge uh subgenre i don't know let's go ask fucking so you know, I've Alice I've I've seen a few interviews where it's it's asked to these guys like in the late '90s and stuff when this post grunge kind of started coming in, a lot of them fucking hated it. They're like, "That's dumb." So when you say post grunge, are you talking <clears throat> like what are you? Post grunge, I believe, was more like Bush and that's what I th-
0: fuel fuel things like Creed. that. <clears throat> dad rock, Dad rock, yeah, Dad. And rock. And so.
1: Th- this, like, quote-unquote post-grunge, and, you know, first it was kind of that thing where, like, well, these guys are kind of grungy. Do we call them grunge? But then it was like, well, they're they're not similar enough to really say it's the same thing, but these guys are clearly um, influenced by grunge. Let's call them post-grunge. Okay. And you know that's that's kind of the same thing that happens now you get <clears throat> these these metalheads that play metal whatever kind of metal it is they like deathcore metalcore whatever it black is black metal black metal yeah. and you know the baby killing music yeah and <laughs> cannibal corpse and then you islands. show you show <laughs> someone like that boys of fall and say hey man check out this new metal band i found bro they would shit the they their would- pants
0: <laughs> Listen to this song called Distance. It's going to make you fucking cry. Yeah, and these dudes would be like, pussies. What are you talking about? Make me fucking cry. That ain't metal. I was, yeah. That ain't, yeah. That's,
1: that's exactly what it That's exactly what it is.
0: And I get, you know what? And I used to be that fucking dude. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. I, a man has to know his limitations and a man has to admit when he was fucking wrong. And I used to be that dude. I thought if it wasn't the heaviest fucking shit in the world, I wouldn't listen to it. And you, my friend, are part of the reason why I'm no longer like that. And I would say likewise because yeah. I used to be
1: very against anything that wasn't rock related. Yeah. If it wasn't related in some way to rock music, I hated it. Yeah. I still don't like country, but I've learned to appreciate some of it. I know a Tyler Childers song. You're I'll fucking play it right now, bro. Yeah, you're welcome. It's it's a jam, mm-hmm. and all it was is I I stopped for a moment and listened to the message, and I will say it is very rare for a country song, um, at least pop country, to radio have country. radio no. country to have any real meaning or message Correct. that hasn't been sang about a million million times. times.
0: That's why if you if you ask somebody like me, like a real country fan, like I I don't which you and me were the same. We don't listen to the fucking radio. We listen to our phones. I don't know what's playing on country radio right now. I don't care. The only mainstream artist I like, and is just, you know, brutal honesty, is Morgan Wallen. I feel like everybody likes Morgan Wallen. But, you know, other than that, you know, it's Tyler Childers. It's Cody Johnson, who's, he's on the radio now, but he wasn't for 10 years. It's um, Sturgill Simpson and a lot of these guys that, that are, never going to be played on the radio cody jinx is another one and and it's just kind of a a different vibe and you're right it's it's all about the message that you know if you're singing about real life it don't matter what genre it is and And, and rap even rap like i don't fucking like rap music you know i don't i don't like the fucking mumble rap i don't like that stupid shit i love old school hip-hop if tupac comes on dre snoop any of those dudes Back then, rap was real, and I will to this day, listen, oh, yeah. fifty. I love that shit, but the rap music. That's why uh, there's a rapper you really like. What is what is NF? NF, <clears throat> yeah. So I I dig his shit because it's real. Like I don't he care what he doesn't
1: cuss, so he's not filling lines with with bullshit. Um, his his message is, is very deep and personal. And the way he shares this stuff about himself, and um, I might be telling a lot about myself by saying this, but I relate to a lot of what he's talking about, and he puts it into words in a way that I can't, and that right there has helped me tremendously. Just being able to take these emotions that I feel and be able to, Put them into words because someone else that feels the same way did it for me.
0: Yeah, And I think that's what, you know, I don't care what the discipline is, what the genre is. If you relate to a song, whether that's lyrically, whether that's instrumentally, whatever it is. You know, you're going to be a fan of that music for life. Um, you know, I, I used to be a pretty close minded musical individual yeah i guess and you, you've you admitted to the same where you know when when you know it was just kind of me and preston and we were listening to the same shit in high school so we weren't challenging each other oh yeah and you know you come along in, in our friendship and and now we all challenge we talked about it earlier you know challenging each other and and kind of opening our minds to a bunch of different shit you know like that night we sat in here and listened to that tall sultana song and i got sent to another fucking dimension <laughs> i mean straight up look to to
1: speak on it, man, there, there's a chick I listen to. Um, oddly enough, my ex-wife showed me this, this artist first. And the first couple of songs that she, she showed me, it was right around the time that I started realizing that I need to stop being so closed-minded to music. I need to listen to it, then make a decision mm-hmm. on it. And I mean, listen. Songs, he listened to that
0: whole fucking Avenged Sevenfold song today. So the,
1: twice, twice, <laughs> and uh, so this artist is Bishop Briggs. Very poppy, but I swear to God, her the one album I listened to could be a fucking metal album, and it would be amazing. That whole album could be made as a country album. And it would be fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's got songs on it like White Flag and um, High Low and stuff like that. These songs, dude, if you would have shared them with me in high school, I wouldn't have even attempted to listen to it. If I were to show them to you right now, you'd probably have a very hard time getting into it. But I listened to the song, I listened to the message, and I I looked at, like, how much can I feel from this? That's what it is nowadays for me, man. Like, what, I don't want to just listen to music that sounds cool. I want to listen to music that makes me feel something.
0: Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that to an extent. Stuff that sounds cool is awesome, too. Yeah, but, <laughs> but here's my thing. <laughs> A heavy ass riff makes me feel something. Oh yeah. So so I guess in a, in a, I do agree with you because I'm not gonna listen to something that doesn't speak to me in in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And whether that's with a heavy ass riff, whether that's with a killer chorus, whether that's with a gnarly bass line, whatever it is, it has to speak to me. So, you know, I, I used to. It was almost like, and, and you can agree or disagree, but you know, when we were in, you know, let's say high school or middle school you listen to something cuz everybody thought it was cool mm-hmm. right people thought other metalheads thought you were cool because you listened to it it probably you 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 know you don't know what spoke to you back then but damn that shit's cool avenged sevenfold's fucking cool so let me
1: let me <laughs> let me land something a little heavy on you real oh, quick okay we're about so to so speaking okay. about like opening your your horizons broadening your horizons of music and everything mm-hmm. how much music out there has spoken to you You just weren't listening. Oh, wow. So that's a question I asked myself. Yeah. And then I said, I'm going to listen to anything. Mm -hmm. I'm going to actually listen to it. And And now I'm going to make a determination after I truly gave it a shot. Okay, I like this. Or that was dog shit. Yeah.
0: Bench sevenfold. And like, every <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, M. shadows. God, I did it twice. But, you know, and Preston's a great example of this where him and I are different in the sense that he will almost force himself into liking something. He'll listen to it so many times. Like he'll send a song he's in the like, chat. He's like, look, you just need to listen to it about 27 and a
1: half times on the 28th attempt. You'll like it.
0: Halfway through, you're going to like you're it. You're going to like it. I mean, that ain't me. <laughs> if I've listened to it two or three times and I can't get into it, I'm out.
1: Yeah, I'm out. I'm, I'm with you there. He
0: will send a song one day and be like, a uh, new song from whoever kind of sucks. He'll send it a day later. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's all right. I'm, I kind of get where they're coming from. He'll send it three days later. And he's like, I fucking love it. I fucking love it's it. It's growing like, on me. It's growing on me. <laughs> And we're, the only reason we're shit-talking him is because he's not here, so I can't wait till he listens to this. But he will almost force himself into submission to a song. And I'm like, bro, if you don't like it, you don't like it. You don't have to like everything. Right. <laughs> like, me, I'm like, I'll give it a fair shot. And I've gotten a lot better at that because it used to be where, like I listened to that Periphery song that he sent today because he sent it three times. I'm like, all right, God damn it, I'll listen to it. I still don't like it. But I gave it a shot. Five years ago, I would never given it a shot because I don't like Periphery. Right. And now at least I give it a shot. So look, it's growth, bro. We're growing. Look at us. We're becoming old man. I will grow under any condition. This is this is how you become wise, <laughs> yeah. young grasshopper. You, you listen to this podcast and you will become musically wise. <laughs> or stupid. One of the two. So I that was a good hot take out of you because it's it's the whole genre subgenre thing, fucking metal police and people calling you gatekeepers and all that and and a boomer core it's it is a conversation that gets very old it's it's i am all for people having opinions but i'm allowed to have opinions of your opinions does that make sense kind of
1: well i mean everyone is welcome to an opinion on anything they wish correct
0: and there's no such thing as a wrong answer when it comes to music, in my opinion, because it is an opinion. So if you say, you know, when I say, I don't like Nirvana, I don't think they're that good, that's not a wrong answer. But when you say, actually, they're just extremely misunderstood, and they were incredibly talented, and this is why, that's the, not a wrong It's
1: the 6-9 dilemma.
0: Okay. What's, what's a 6 and what's a 9?
1: Yeah, so yeah if, I, if I draw a 6... To me, mm-hmm. yeah, it looks like a nine. To me, looks like a nine to you. Yep. We're we're both right, mm-hmm. but I'm
0: more right because yep. I drew the six. Subjective versus objective, right? <laughs> I'm more right because I drew the six. Yeah. <laughs> I don't ever want to be on the bottom. <laughs> Put me on the top every time, bro. What's some? What's some? I know we've been we've probably been recording for getting close to uh, two hours here, so. What is some some new shit that you're jamming that you would you would recommend to people that um that you know they might they might like that they haven't haven't listened to yet. And I'm going to look through my phone while you answer so I have some good ideas. So there's a band, it can be new or old,
1: it can be rediscovered shit. So there's a band that I came across a while back. It's called A Story Told. Okay,
0: oh yeah, I remember you talking about that, and
1: i've I've shared them in our group chat a couple of times, but I can't say that anything they do is super complicated. It's not fucking periphery riffs, sure, you know what i mean it's It's not vocals beyond belief mm-hmm. um there there's nothing individually that stands out to me. But what does stand out to me is how they bring what they each have together. And so oftentimes when I'm listening to music listening to music, I listen to the song. Yes. And I know I've I've talked to you guys about that a yep. lot. I'm I'm not necessarily listening for that guitar part. It's the breath. It's, of it's, it's of not the, song. the it's not the riff. It's not the the screams, it's not this or that, it's it's the song and how well was it written and, you know, how did certain things come together, rhythms and melodies and all these things. And with this, this band, A Story Told, I just kind of fell in love with the way they put together songs. And one thing I, I find really interesting is the vocalist isn't, like, this amazing vocalist. He's a good vocalist. But he's he's never gonna be the greatest. Sure. But he's not trying to be. It's it's knowing this is my range, this is what I can do. Here's how I can create dynamics and and pitch and and um uh projection and, and go on falsetto or full voice and all that stuff. How can I take what I can do, this this particular range and make it interesting yeah make it great yeah and i i find his method and and like the the melodies and the harmonies he picks out to be very interesting to me like i i feel like it's it captivates me in a certain way and i don't know it's, good recommendation I, it's it's just something i like um and it's like i said it's it's his choice what how he heard this guitar riff, and he chose to sing it this way where did he where did he pull that from?
0: It's music that makes you think it's a band that's gonna make you think,
1: yeah, well, not necessarily like i said it's it's not like anything crazy, but I think really deep into the music that that I listen to, and when you have someone putting together these like two um guitar parts you know that aren't the same oftentimes they're not even playing the same chord um or what it seems not playing the same notes per se it's not like when screaming evidence first started and you got two guitarists playing the same riff for the verse just to make the riff sound like a fucking wall Wall of sound um
0: instead of having an underlying riff in there. right
1: and so you know they're doing these Two separate guitar parts, and then how he chooses to fit his voice in with what the guitars are doing melodically, and what the drums and bass are doing rhythmically, and it—I don't know—for some reason it connects with me.
0: So, say the name of that band one more time, just for everybody. A
1: story told. Okay.
0: There's one recommendation. I've got. I've got two for the you. The first here.
1: song I heard from them was "Check Please." I can't even say it was like an amazing song, but for some reason, just the way it was put together and the particular melodies, I was just like, I like this a lot. Yeah, for sure. Spoke to you. Spoke to me, oh, and yeah. I listened.
0: So I've got two band recommendations for everybody, and this might become a a, a segment we do every time, um, and, and hopefully we get some feedback on this. So one of the bands that I, I, I want to recommend, and I'm going to go two different ways here as far as the spectrum of, of metal, uh, you know, the first one is one i mentioned several times, and that's a band called Make Them Suffer. Um, they're out of Australia, I believe, and they are, extre- I, I said it earlier, extremely violent. Um, hard fucking core. it's, But they have some really unique qualities in the sense that they have this, this female keyboardist that does a lot of their, that does their choruses. She sings their choruses, and on their latest song called Doom Switch, she actually screams on it, and it's just, they're, they're, they're doing all these different things. Their guitarist writes some of the most intricate and difficult riffs I've ever heard in my life, and that motherfucker shreds the entire song. It never stops. So if you want to rage and you want to hear something that makes you want to run somebody's head through a wall, <laughs> make them suffer as your band. Check out Doom Switch. Check out Contraband. Those are two of my favorite songs. Tyler, your favorite song by them, I believe, is Hallowed Heart or Hollowed Heart. Um, that sounds right. So... That's a really good one by them too. The other band I want to recommend they 've been out for a while now. They just dropped a new album uh, last year. Uh, the band's called until I wake um Tyler mm. and uh, yeah yeah Tyler likes these guys, so they have a good mix of really pretty um vocals and harsher you know screams um, their guitars their, their their sound is a little. Little more on that raw side when it comes Mm -hmm. to like production and mix. They're not they're not extremely crisp when it comes to their mix. Um, You know, you 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 kind of just get this big wall of sound. They didn't turn
1: the gate up too high.
0: No, it's very (laughs) melodic. Exactly, it's very melodic. It's very easy to listen to, and they have a variety of different songs, like you know, songs that are going to put you in a good mood, songs that are going to make you feel bad and then songs that are going to make you want to beat somebody the fuck up. So, my two bands to recommend for the week, make them suffer until I wake. Check them out. So, Tyler, do you have anything else? We've been on we've been recording for about 2 hours now, so is there anything else you want to cover? We can hit it real quick.
1: Um just that, you know, time flies, man. Yeah. I didn't realize we've been sitting here for two hours.
0: Well, that's what happens when you're having fun. Which we sit here for two hours all the time, but don't don't record a podcast. So. But um,
1: we got we got through a lot of good topics. We did, we I, did. I, I think and I think just so. You been... guys know
0: none of this shit was organized. We literally talked about this today. Said, "Hey, let's do a podcast." We didn't come up with any. We came up with topics as we were walking into the studio in here to record, and we did. We came up with two topics, did them both, and we covered about fifteen different ones, so I think we handled it pretty good. Yeah,
1: I think I think a lot of these topics were just kind of built up. Yeah. And
0: uh we got some shit to say.
1: We we we, we seem to have a lot to say, a lot that we wanted to share, and we just kinda of did it all at once. Yeah. I
0: don't know that we'll fill two hours every time. Probably not, but this is I think this was a good this was a good blender of what, you know, we're wanting to do with this and and kind of cover current events and then hot takes and live shows, we've seen new music, different things like that and and you know what I want to do is I do want to give a little self-plug here just for for listener interaction. Um after we get this podcast put out and I'll I'll keep you guys updated uh, through my TikTok on on where we've got this posted and how you can listen. Uh, please give me a follow at Smoke Twenty Thirteen, um, and you'll get a lot of uh, music, metal music content on there as well. But I will be communicating uh, via my TikTok account. You know where you can find this podcast, and if you guys want to reach out and and tell us what you think, and and if you have any topics you want us to cover or um, things you want to hear about, uh, please let us know, and we'll 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 get it covered. So appreciate you guys for listening, and also. If you have any name recommendations for the podcast, shoot them over to my TikTok too at Smoke Twenty Thirteen, and we'll uh, we'll we'll take into consideration some some names because uh, we haven't quite come up with one for this pod yet. Right now, it's just we got some shit to say, I guess. <laughs> so appreciate you guys. listening. Say it listening. with your chest. Say it with your chest. Appreciate you guys listening, and we will catch you next time. We out. Holla.